the book of Luke today, Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 11, Luke chapter 17 and verse 11. I was commenting to Mandy earlier during, uh, right before church started, I'm like, I love hearing what I'm hearing today. You know what I was able to hear? Children. <laughs> if we can't hear that, then we as a church are in big trouble. And I'm thankful to hear children here in our midst, and I'm thankful that just this weekend we have a, a new one that has been born and is in the hospital today, and so we are in the families in the hospital. We need to keep praying for them, but we are thankful for what the Lord is doing in our church. Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 11, and reading through verse 19, I'm going to preach a couple of weeks on the topic of thanksgiving. Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 11. While traveling to Jerusalem, he passed between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men with leprosy met him. They stood at a distance, raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he told them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And while they were going, they were cleansed. But one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice gave glory to God. And he fell face down at his feet, thanking him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus said, We're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he told him, Get up, go on your way. Your faith has saved you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that as just here in a couple of weeks, we are going to celebrate Thanksgiving as a nation. Lord, I pray that you would help us in our lives and in this world and in this particular season to recognize that there is much in our lives to be thankful for. Lord, we live in a world that is saturated and awash with complaining. We live in a world that is saturated with ingratitude. And so, Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes so that we might see all of your blessings in our lives and to realize that any blessing you pour out on us is completely undeserved favor of our God. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to thank you today for all that you've done and all that you're going to do. Lord, speak to us from your word. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Why me? You may have asked that question in the last year. The last couple of years has been seemingly saturated with so much pain, so much change, so many things that when 2020 dawned, the year of vision, <laughs> the year where we can see clearly, all of a sudden, the whole world and all of our plans and everything that we thought would be two years down the road, everything is different. Everything is changed. 
I mean, even the way we go to the grocery store is, is different. Even what you will find at the grocery store is different. Why me? You understand that question, and I know you can, whether you have verbalized it or not, you have probably asked that question at some point in your life when you're going through a particular season of suffering, when you're going through a particular difficulty. Perhaps you have asked this question. Maybe you get in the car after your team loses the game. And you put your key in the ignition, and when you turn it, you hear that familiar clicking sound of, of your battery is dead. You slam your hands on the steering wheel, and you say, why me? Maybe it's more serious. Like you've gone to the doctor, and the doctor says to you the report that you were Hoping wouldn't happen, but when the words come out of his mouth, here is the diagnosis, that dreaded thing that you did not want to hear in that moment. You cry out, why me? Why me? Perhaps you're one whose bills are piling up. Maybe you've gotten a bad grade on your test. Maybe you have a bad grade in a class right now. Maybe more than one. Maybe you can't get along with your family. Maybe your parents are hounding you about something. I don't know what it is, but something in your life may be causing your soul to well up within you in anguish. And you say, why me, God? Why me? It's a question that so many of us have asked in the last year. Perhaps you have had COVID. Or perhaps you've lost somebody to COVID. Why me? Why us? Perhaps your job is in jeopardy because of current regulations in our society. Why me? Why me? I know in the past year, after having gone and spent the last week with pastors at the Northwest Baptist Convention, that Many pastors also have asked the question in the past year, why me? Why couldn't I have pastored in the 1950s? <laughs> or the 80s? Or 1700s? Or pick your decades? When things were seemingly easier. Were they really? I don't know. <laughs> the challenges had different names. But so oftentimes when we say, why me? We long for the past. We long for a past era, perhaps when we were in something else or doing something else or an era gone by that we wonder, will, will it ever return? And we ask this question, why me? Hidden within that statement is an implied thinking that it shouldn't be you. Hidden within that very statement is the implication that it should be, it should be somebody else. Maybe within that statement when we say, why me? Perhaps we are also saying, God. Why don't you just pick on someone else? <laughs> Maybe we would never say that. Maybe we would never utter those words. And most of us would be afraid to, to say that. But deep down within our souls, we might even say something like that. God, don't you think we have worked enough on my patience this year? Haven't <laughs> I worked on my endurance enough during this season? Just to think I could get a break for a little while. Maybe I've grown enough in holiness to just give me a break and let me process these things for a while. We may not come right out and say these things, but when we say, why me? These are the things we are implying. That we deserve better. That it should have been someone else. 
We know theologically that a better question would be, why not me? Why not? We know what we deserve as undeserving sinners. And we know that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But in our suffering, we often resort to such questions. Why me in our weaknesses? But there's a whole other way we could ask the very same question, the same words. There's another way that we can ask that. Why why me? Just a few moments ago, we saw pictures of a church bombed out in Iraq, had been attacked by ISIS, and here we are in a comfortable facility. We're we're not really worried about that happening today. Why us? And why them? Why not us? You see, the same question can be, why do I have such blessing when others are enduring such suffering? Why is it that God has indeed blessed you right now in this room with a room full of people that you could go around and ask a hundred people? You could ask anybody in this room, would you pray for me? And just about everybody in this room would say, oh yeah, I'd love to pray for you. When there are people in the world that don't even know a single Christian, why us? Why has God blessed us so much? And ultimately, we can ask the question, why me? Why would Jesus die for a sinner such as I? You see, same question, but asked from a different perspective. Can either say, I deserve more than this, or, or ask from a different question, why in the world has God blessed me so much? And the, the difference is perspective. The difference is choosing to focus on Why in the world has God given me so much that I do not deserve? Why me can lead you to despair. It can lead you to prideful murmuring and complaining. Or it can lead us to an attitude of gratitude, an attitude of thanksgiving, an attitude that chooses to see not ignoring the suffering of the times, but looking at the suffering of the times in perspective that God is going to work all of these things to his glory and for my good. And I don't know exactly how this is all going to turn out, but it's going to turn out good. I'm just going to wait on him, the one who is in charge, who is sovereign over all things, and who loves me and gave himself for me. I choose to trust God and be thankful, even in the midst of the suffering. My question for you today is, which why me will be in your heart this Thanksgiving? Will you have the why me of entitlement? I deserve better. Or will you have the why me of, God, thank you for all you have done. Here in this passage, we see a group of people who had every reason in the world to say, why me? Why, why me? In fact, 10 individuals, 10 people here in this passage that had every right to say, every reason to say, why me? And yet one turned around to Jesus and said, I don't know why me, but I'm thankful. (laughs) I'm thankful. And so I want to walk through this passage in several scenes and then just really bring it home to one application today. One application. What kind of why me are you asking? We first see in this passage a cry of despair. 
a cry of despair. In verse 11, we need to pay very close attention to some words that we might <clears throat> easily skip over to get to the main event there. In verse 11, it begins with these words, while traveling to Jerusalem, Jesus passed between Samaria and Galilee. Here in the gospel of Luke, Jesus is always going somewhere. The gospel of Luke is really a long march of Jesus to Jerusalem. He's always headed there. Why is he going there? Jesus is going to Jerusalem to that place where he, at the beginning, he is going to be welcomed in with glorious praise. Hosanna to God in the highest. And then when the end of the week comes, he's going to be hanging on a cross, nailed there, bleeding to death in agony as the crowds cry out, crucify him, crucify him. You're getting what you deserve as the Son of God hangs on that cross and the one who knew no sin became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He's going to that place where they would reject him. He's going to that place where they would spit on him. He's going to go to that place where he will give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And as he is going there, he's passing through Samaritan territory. That area between that dividing line between Samaria and Galilee, he's in the borderlands. And as he goes to the borderlands, it's at this point where he meets 10 men who have every right to say, why me? These 10 were afflicted with a horrific disease. And that day they called it leprosy which could refer to a number of different kinds of skin diseases, but the physical and the spiritual and the relational and the social results, results were often the same. Here in our day, we call that, it has a different name, we call it Hansen's disease. Hansen's disease. Most of us have a natural immunity to that bacteria that causes this particular infection, but some don't. And in that day, if you did not have immunity to this bacteria, it caused horrific, in fact, many parts of the world even today, caused horrific effects in the body. Leprosy or Hansen's disease attacks the skin, attacks the peripheral nerves around your wrists, around your elbows, around your knees. It also attacks all of your mucous membranes in your body. Eventually, it causes lesions on your skin. It can defigure your face by causing your nose to collapse in on itself. And your face, it disfigures by causing there to be a folding of your face. Some places, they actually call this lion's disease. And the reason why they call it lion's disease is because if you looked at somebody who was afflicted with leprosy, you would say, their face looks like a lion with a mane and a Preston nose. Not only would... It caused you to be disfigured, but leprosy itself does not itself eat away at the flesh. But since you can no longer feel your extremities, eventually you start wearing away at your own flesh as you touch things that should give you pain, but you can no longer feel pain. And eventually your fingertips and your legs and your toes and your nose and your ears begin to just wither away and become stubs full of scabs, testifying to your life of continual pain. The issue isn't just physical. The issue is also relational pain. And that particular day that Jesus is walking in this time, they, it would be considered to be under divine judgment by the, by the crowds if you had leprosy. Lepers had to live in leper clans. 
leper colonies. And when they would travel around, they would have to keep their distance from everybody else. In fact, the rule in that particular day was lepers had to keep six feet distance from anybody else. <laughs> it's hard to make this stuff up. <laughs> Unless you were upwind, and then you had to keep 150 feet different distance from everybody else. Interesting. Not only that, but if you saw anybody, you would have to cover your mouth and you would have to cry out, unclean, unclean, unclean. Any moms that saw their children and you were walking up and the lions started to walk into their village, they would grab their children and hide them. Stay away from this individual. Here is 10 men who were never touched, never loved, never invited, never apart. If anyone could say, why me? It was these guys. 10 men that could say, why me? But one day, they saw a man walking into their village that they'd heard a lot about. They saw a man walking in their village that they had heard that can open blind eyes, that can make deaf people hear. And they go up to Jesus and they cry out to Jesus, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now notice they call him Master. They didn't call him Lord and they didn't call him Messiah and they didn't call him Son of Man. They called him Master. This was like them saying, Jesus, respected teacher in Israel who works miracles, have mercy on me. Not yet saving faith, just recognizing this is a guy who can do some things that we like. It can make life easier for us. And we hope that he does some things that we like, because we're in need. I don't think at this moment that they're faith, if you want to call it that, is that much different than a whole lot of folks who endure times of suffering want Jesus to figure it out for them so that they can kind of go and do whatever else they were going to do anyway. Because 90% of these guys, that's exactly what's about to happen. Jesus is going to do some things that they like, but as soon as he does some things that they like, and help them to get out of their bind, then they're going to check out on him. Rather than to respond to Jesus with a heart of gratitude, saying, thank you for all that you have done for me. I so don't deserve it. And so here they were. Jesus, have mercy on us. Jesus heard this cry. These men who really had the right to expect nothing from Jesus there in Samaritan territory at that moment. But what they did hear at that moment was a command of hope. They hear a command of hope. So Jesus, in spite of their lack of belief at this moment, he so often comes to people, he ministers to people, he gives them what they don't deserve. Even in this particular moment, he brings a blessing to these 10 men. Jesus looks at them and he says, go show yourself to the priests. Now, the only reason you would go show yourself to the priest is if you were healed. If you were a leper and you went to the priest, you would be seen and you were still had leprosy. They would look at you like, you're crazy. You're here. You're wanting to get me sick too. Get out of here. <laughs> Jesus told them, go show yourself to the priest. In other words, have faith that Jesus can heal you, that I can heal you. 
they go show themselves to the priest. I want you to see something in verse 6. I'm sorry, in verse, in verse 13. Where it says, they stood at a distance, they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he told them, go and show yourselves to the priest. Actually, it's in verse 14, end of verse 14. He says, and while they were going, they were cleansed. They had to get up first and start walking first. And along the way was when they were healed. They got up, nothing had changed. They looked exactly the same as they did in that moment, but they simply obeyed Jesus, didn't feel like it, didn't look any different, could have still sat there wallowing, saying, why me, why me? But at that moment, no different. Everybody still looks like a lion. Nobody can feel anything. Everybody still got nubs rather than than fingers. And they start walking to the priest, still bearing the scars of that dreaded disease. Jesus said go, and they went. We don't know when it happened or what the circumstances were, but along the way, something happened. Along the way, something changed. We don't know if one of the ten looked at one of the others and rather than seeing the face of a lion, saw the face of his old friend that he hadn't seen in ten years or more. Perhaps they were walking along and and you looked in a puddle and rather than seeing that horrific image that you have learned to turn away from, you look into the puddle and you see the face that you remember from your youth and like, what happened? And at that moment as they start to look at their hands and like, I can feel, I can feel, I can I have fingers. And they, they start to not just walk to the priest, they start to run to the priest and they look, say, look, we are healed. It's the first time in years we're going to be welcomed back into society you're right here we actually have a picture of what jesus can do for all all who trust in him i believe that when we pray for one another to be healed that jesus will answer that prayer and sometimes he answers it in this life and sometimes he chooses to wait until his coming rule and reign to heal But you know, I don't know, we don't know why one way or the other. We trust His sovereign goodness. But you know, when you as a believer pray that, Lord, I pray for your healing now, but I trust in your timing, one day that prayer will be answered. Do you know there's going to come a day when Jesus rules and reigns in His fullness, in His kingdom, and one of the things that will be banished from His rule and reign is sickness and disease. Leprosy will be gone. Cancer will be gone. COVID, amen, will be gone. (laughs) All of that will be done away with, and we long for that day. This is just a picture of what it's like when Jesus comes and reigns in his fullness. Right now, we live in the already and the not yet. We live between the times. We're not yet fully under the reign of Christ in this world, but it's coming. It's a picture of what we long to see. That here in this passage, as these 10 were healed, the cries of why me had transformed from that to Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And we're now, would you look at me now? <laughs> they were so excited. It's amazing how quickly we can forget Jesus when he answers our prayers. It's amazing how quickly we pray and God does something awesome, answers our prayer. Good. I can get back to doing what I wanted to do in the first place. 
And that's exactly what 90% of these guys did. And I think there is a similar problem in our nation and among church folk today, among Christians today, among evangelicals today. God, deliver us. And as soon as He makes things a little bit better, (laughs) back on my agenda. Whose agenda are you going to be on? Are you going to cry the why me of I deserve better or the why me of this one who comes back to Jesus and confesses his healing with thanksgiving to God? Next, I want you to see a confession of healing. So there was one, one guy went to the priest. Everybody else checked out and with joy and the tears in his eyes, he goes back to Jesus asking the same question. First was, why me? And now it's, why me? Thank you for all that you have done. It's the same answer that we as Christians can give as well because Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says this, it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is not a result of work so that no one can boast. There's no answer for why me in terms of salvation, healing, transformation, or sanctification, except that Jesus Christ is merciful and gracious to undeserving sinners. That's the only reason we're even here today. Hear that one, that one out of ten, that last ten percent comes to Jesus who is worthy of all praise, worthy of all honor, worthy of all accepting, worthy of all of these realities. He comes back and he gives thanks to Jesus. In fact, he does four things that are instructive to us. We can learn something, something from this man. He turns back. His priority was Jesus. He turned back off of his own way. He turned back off of everybody else's pathway. He goes back on Jesus' pathway. He goes back to Jesus. He praises God. He falls on his face and he gives thanks. He goes back to Jesus, he praises God, he falls on his face, and he gives thanks. Perhaps in our crazy world where we live in a world where complaining is the prominent tone of the day, perhaps what would set us apart from the world is a heart of thanksgiving in the midst of all of the craziness of this life. Now, we're not saying that life isn't difficult. We're not saying that your suffering isn't real. Absolutely, we recognize that. And we pray for deliverance. We pray for God to move. We pray for God to work. But in the midst of the shadow, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the struggle, we can be people who choose not to ask, why me? I deserve better. But why me, God? Why in the world do I even get to take a part in this great story you're writing? Even though it's really difficult right now, I know it's all going to turn out for your glory and for my good. It's a way different perspective on how to live life. In fact, it's a transformed perspective of those who truly know Christ, of those who truly have a relationship with Him. The one who had to stay far away for years is now weeping and shouting praise at the feet of Jesus. Did you see the one that came back? The one who came back was the least likely of them all to come back. It says that the one who came back At the end of verse 16, he says, he fell face down at his feet 
thanking him. And Luke waits to the end of the sentence to let this drop on us. And he was a Samaritan. What? The most unlikely of people was exactly the place where a heart of thanksgiving at the sheer grace and mercy of God welled up. The one who is least full of himself had the greatest amount of room for thanksgiving and a heart that would transform the why me of entitlement into the why me of gratitude and thanksgiving. I love what David Prince, pastor in Kentucky, said. He says the following, Thanksgiving is the opposite of pride. And thanksgiving is the executioner of entitlement. Let me say that again. Thanksgiving is the opposite of pride. And thanksgiving is the executioner of entitlement. We're set free from this spirit of the age, the spirit of entitlement, when we come to the point where we thank God for pouring out His blessing on us undeserving sinners. The opposite of thanksgiving is entitlement. This idea that we deserve God's blessing, we deserve God's mercy and God's grace. Rather than that, God says, put on gratitude, put on thanksgiving, put on this knowledge that you don't deserve God's grace. But in his unmerited love and his unmerited favor and his unmerited grace, he doesn't love you because you had something to offer. He doesn't love us because we were somehow good or somehow good enough or somehow earned it. No, he loves us even while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Jesus then asks three soul-searching questions. In verse 17, Jesus says, We're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Did any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? It's that last question that I want to echo in your soul right now. Will any return to give glory to God except that foreigner? Will there be any in 2021 who will give glory to God other than that Samaritan in that story? In other words, what kind of why me are you asking this Thanksgiving? What kind of why me is ringing in your soul this year? Why me? I deserve better? Why me? I think I should have it better. Or are you thankfully singing amazing grace, how sweet this sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And that is solely because of God and Jesus and his great, great love for me. I want to end with this thought today. Let the why me of perplexed despair be transformed into the why me of thanksgiving as you savor the healing and saving grace of our Christ. I want to spend a few moments of reflection as we close today. And I want to ask yourself this. I want you to ask yourself this question. What kind of why me are you asking? 
Are you asking the why me of I deserve better? Or are you asking the why me of thankful, of a thankful heart to a gracious and good Savior? Let's spend a moment of reflection and then we'll have our time of response. Lord Jesus, it is so easy during this time period to take up the spirit of the age that is the spirit of never satisfied, always complaining, always thinking, I deserve better. Lord, none of us are immune to it. Lord, here in this passage, you open up our eyes to the opposite of these things, the very tool that you have given us to warfare and do warfare against the sense of entitlement and that is this very thing that we celebrate this month even as a as a people and as a nation it's thanksgiving and so lord i pray that you would help us in our hearts to look around us and open our eyes to help us to see the blessings in our lives the abundant blessings in our lives by which for which we can be thankful and Lord, I pray that you would radically change our hearts. Lord, so that we don't have the why me of entitlement, but Lord, that we have the why me of stunned awe that the God of the universe would love me and give himself for me. And Lord, every blessing you pour out, we will turn back to praise. And Lord, we do recognize that even as we have hearts of thanksgiving and as we praise you and thank you for all that you've done and all that you're going to do, Lord, we look in our lives and we see indeed we have pain. We endure suffering. Things in this world are not yet as they should be. And Lord, I pray for each one here that you would help them in the midst of that to have a heart of gratitude and a heart of hopefulness, knowing that King Jesus will one day intervene in this world and in their lives, sometimes before the kingdom comes and sometimes after the kingdom comes. Lord, we trust you in your timing. And Lord, we know that the end of this story is really, really good. And so we trust you to make it all right in your time. And so, Lord, help us to trust. Help us to have a heart of gratitude in these challenging times. Lord, we thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name we pray.